Your thoughts determine your beliefs. Your beliefs dictate your emotions and actions. That's why these days, with so many voices trying to influence you, it's crucial that you know the three easy ways to keep bad stuff out of your mind. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil, creator of the app Shut Up Devil, and I am here to help you shut down all of the lies and struggles that try to get in the way of you living your life as God designed. And we do this every single week on Thursdays live. So if you haven't joined us yet, 8 p.m. Central Time, we'd love to have you live. But we've got a powerful message here, and I'm going to begin with a scripture that is one of my most referenced scriptures because it really explains so much of what we deal with emotionally, psychologically, even spiritually. You regulars can probably quote it with me. This time I'm going to read it out of the contemporary English version because it includes a nuance that is important for this message. It's Proverbs 4.23, and it says, Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. Now, I'm not just choosing a translation to fit my message. I don't like to do that. But if there's one that expounds on something a little better than another, I have no problems with using it. So whereas other translations for that verse will use the word heart, the CEV uses thoughts, which is appropriate and accurate because the Hebrew word for heart means the inner self. That means everything that goes on inside you. Jesus linked heart with thoughts too. In Matthew 15, verse 19, he says, For from the heart come evil thoughts. So we see the heart produces thoughts, and thoughts influence us. You probably heard, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But getting back to the verse, we see where thoughts lead. They're the source of true life. They determine the quality of your life. They direct your steps. The phrase, where the mind goes, the man follows. Have you heard that? Where the mind goes, the man follows. So true. What happens in your head steers you. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. That's why there's this instruction at the very beginning of the verse to carefully guard your thoughts. We all know there's a lot of junk out there, all vying for our attention trying to get into us. Billboards driving down the road, messages on the news, social media feeds. If we're going to live victoriously on this side of eternity, we have to protect what we let into our minds. So the image that the author of this proverb depicts is of a fortress, which sometimes today we think of as a castle, but back then it was a strongly fortified town, a military stronghold. When the author says carefully watch, he's using a word that recalls the idea of a watchman. You read through the Old Testament and you'll hear of watchmen. These were men that guarded the fortresses, the towns, from surprise enemy attacks. They were often stationed above, high on walls and watchtowers. And as watchmen, their role wasn't to wait for an enemy and then respond. No, they were to stand guard and report of any suspicious activity. 
You know, we have neighborhood watches today. Where the goal, of course, is to prevent an attack by reporting on something suspicious. That's the idea of a watchman. So, of course, there are all kinds of spiritual applications in this. Our minds are a fortress, the command center for what happens in our lives. Everything trickles down from there. I often use the quote, watch your thoughts, they become your words, watch your words, they become your habits, watch your habits, they become your character, watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Everything trickles down from the top. So the guard has to be at the top watching over your mind and particularly watching out for anything suspicious that tries to get in. You have to know that the devil's not creative. Don't let him mix up the roles in your mind. God is the creator. Satan is the twister. He takes something God created and then he perverts it or twists it into something bad. That's really all he can do. And I don't think it's coincidental that God tells us to protect the mind like a stronghold so that nothing bad gets in, and Satan attempts to turn our minds into strongholds so that we can't get bad out. Tries to keep bad stuff locked up in here, negatively affecting the rest of our lives. So it's this negative sense that we commonly hear a stronghold referred to as today. And it comes from Another one of my commonly referenced verses, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds. Paul says there that God gave us the ability to destroy the protected fortresses created in our minds that keep us locked into defeated living. And there are two kinds of these negative strongholds a worldview stronghold, and a personal attitude stronghold. A worldview stronghold is something based on cultural or human reasoning that tries to argue against the existence of God. There are all kinds of these out there today. I frequently hear from atheists on my social media who have all kinds of reasons why they think God doesn't exist, usually all boiling down to science and scandal. It's usually one of those two things. But those are worldview strongholds. But if the devil can't keep people from being saved, he wants to keep them from living saved. And I don't mean living according to a bunch of do's and don'ts. I mean living to what really empowers us, knowing who we are in Christ. And I know I'm talking mostly to Christians here, so I'm going to focus the majority of this message on the personal attitude strongholds. These are defeated thinking patterns that affect behavior. They look like worry, guilt, insecurity, lust, addictions, on and on and on and on. Here's how these strongholds work. They always begin in the mind with a lie, a doubt, or a what if. I talk a lot about that in my book, Shut Up Devil. But these lies, doubts, and what ifs or what we need to guard our minds from, first and foremost. Because the enemy usually then couples those things with some physical means of relief. Oh, you're feeling insecure. Here's some money, fame, or fortune, or an unhealthy codependent relationship that'll make you someone. That's how it affects your behavior. 
because you're made to believe that an object or a person or something will relieve you of the guilt, the insecurity, the worry, the feeling. And sometimes it doesn't have to look like a bad thing either. For so many years, I was in a stronghold of insecurity. I was made to believe that the approval of people then through achievements would relieve it. That's where the enemy got my mind and just kept me in that cycle, which is step three of the stronghold. Eventually, the relief wears off. The promise wears off. And then it just gets worse because the pressure and the guilt of the behaviors leads people right back to the lies, the doubts, and the what-ifs. It's like a merry-go-round that you get trapped on. One thing just feeds the other. And it starts back over and over and over, hence the word stronghold. This is why we guard our thoughts, to keep stronghold from beginning or to reverse the course of ones that are already there. And there are at least three ways to do this, which we're going to go through here. And I'm going to describe them using the military guard kind of language that the Bible uses. The first means of protection is that you have to fortify your mind. That just means build it up, develop it, feed it with stuff that makes it grow. This is largely an offensive practice, not defensive. Remember, the goal of the watchman is to be proactive to keep an attack from happening, not just wait to respond when already under attack. The Bible says that we've been given the mind of Christ. But you know, as Paul said, there are two natures at battle within us. There's the old and there's the new. There's the old mind and then there's the new mind, the mind of Christ. The one that gets fed the most is the one that's going to have the strength to influence the rest of you. That's really going to be the one that wins in this life. This makes me think of a battle with weeds in my backyard that I had especially a few years ago when I lived up in North Florida. I love a beautiful lawn. I mean, I love it. But I had a weed problem. So I began to research the best proactive methods to keep weeds out. After wasting a lot of time, <laughs> I found that the solution isn't a quick fix spray of some chemicals but it's a well-fed and watered lawn. It's what they call a fortified lawn. You see, the stronger the roots, the thicker the lawn, the harder it is for the weeds to get in in the first place. And so it is with our minds. So much of how to strengthen our minds goes back to what I frequently teach about the renewal of the mind. In Philippians 4.8, Paul encourages us to fix our thoughts on what is true and right and lovely and honorable and pure and admirable. He says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Set your minds on heavenly things. Put truth into practice is what he says. And this doesn't come automatically. I'd love to say that the moment that you become a Christian, that suddenly you just have this overwhelming desire all the time to just think positively and run truth through your mind. But we all know from experience that doesn't happen. As a matter of fact, the average person's thought life is 70% negative. 
And that's not much different for the average Christian, sadly. Strengthening your mind doesn't come by wishing for it. Just in the same way that strengthening your physical body doesn't come by wishing either. Otherwise, I'd be huge by now. If I'm going to build my muscles, I can't stay in bed waiting for my muscles to grow. I have to intentionally go to the gym, pick up the weights, and do the heavy lifting. I have to especially do it at times when I don't want to. The hardest machine to use at the gym is the front door. But that's the one that's also the most transformational. If you just get in the door, it makes the most difference. Well, my personal and ministry life, I still have plenty of situations where I get disappointed. And sometimes I still want to sit and sulk for a while. And you know what? For a while, it still feels good. Like a baby sitting in their dirty diaper, warm, squishy, and cozy. Now, thankfully, these days I snap out of it a whole lot faster than I used to because I know all that does is feed the old. So the way I cut it out is intentionally meditating on the truths of what God says about me until the mind of Christ in me is strengthened enough to where I begin to think clearly again. (laughs) In my book, Shut Up Devil, I talk about the process that I go through to do this which I call the four R's of mind renewal. When I'm feeling a particular negative way, insecure, fearful, discouraged, whatever, I take a verse about who I am in Christ through these four R's. I read it. I reflect upon it. I rephrase it. I repeat it. You see, when you meditate on truth, your soul, body, mind, and spirit gets renewed to the truth of who you are, that there's nothing more that you have to do to get God to love you, approve of you, accept you. And that's the ultimate source of peace. That's what shuts up the devil. It takes away the stress, and that's how truth guards your mind. Okay, the second way to guard your mind is to guard your gates. There are really two physical openings into your mind, your eyes and your ears, what you see and what you hear. And those significantly affect your thoughts, which I'm sure we all know. I always love the science of how God designed our minds. Here's a fascinating tidbit for you. The eye and the brain are connected by the optic nerve, biology 101, right? This nerve carries impulses back and forth from the brain to the eye. Many people think it's mostly the eye that sends messages to the brain, telling the brain what it sees. But really, it's the opposite. More impulses, more messages are sent from the brain to the eye. The brain tells the eye what to see. The brain tells the eye how to interpret what the eye sees. That's how two people can be looking at the same thing and come to completely different conclusions. Maybe you've wondered on your social media, how are they coming to that conclusion? They're literally seeing things differently because of how their brain has been shaped over many years to interpret stuff. It's how a positive 
person sees the glass half full and a negative person sees it half empty. This concept always reminds me of a young New York City man that happened to find himself driving through the countryside one day. He came across a strange sight that he never saw. His entire life never saw this. He was a cow trying to give birth to a calf. Behind the cow was a farmer trying to help by pulling the calf. It's called calf pulling for you country folk. Well, seeing the farmer struggling, the young man stopped the car, he jumped the fence, and he helped pull that calf until it came out. After the farmer thanked him, the young man said, before I leave here, I just got to know. How fast you reckon that calf was running when it ran into the back of that cow? Wrong conclusion. Now, obviously, that's a joke, but it shows how two people with two different experiences can look at the same thing and see something completely different. The farmer saw a cow giving birth. The city man saw a calf that ran into the back of the cow. So it's the brain largely molded, as I said, by experiences that tells us what we're seeing, at least until we correct it with truth. That city boy's not going to make that same mistake again. <laughs> Our brains dictate how we see things. But as I said, our ears are the other gate. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes by hearing. So basically what we hear influences our beliefs. As the scripture says there, you hear the gospel, that's going to grow your faith. But also, on the other end of things, you subject yourself or are subjected to negativity or criticism, fault-finding. That's going to negatively affect what you believe about yourself or your situations. I was talking to a lady about a few years ago, and she was saying how her dad used to say that nobody would ever want to marry her. She wasn't pretty enough. And not surprisingly, those words influenced her thinking. They got into her beliefs and caused her to be anxious and insecure for like 40 years. Okay? What you hear influences what you believe, which influences how you act. Now, obviously, some situations are out of our control. They are things that happened in the past. And that's why we have to renew our minds by intentionally thinking thoughts rooted in truth. But there's a lot that's in our control. Have you heard the computer term GIGO? G-I-G-O? Garbage in, garbage out. It's a programmer's word. I used to be a programmer in high school and college. I know this. If you input bad code, you get a bad result. What you put in comes out bad, comes out bad, good, comes out good. Well, garbage in, garbage out has so much truth. For example, if you have the news, uh-oh, constantly entering your eyes and ears, and that's probably going to influence your thinking. You watch Fox News, you're going to think one way. You watch CNN, you'll think another. And really, you watch any of them, and you're probably going to get critical, cynical, and afraid of something. 
That's because what you hear influences your thoughts. And certainly that includes smut. You put perversion in front of your eyes and ears, and before long, you'll be stuck in a stronghold. Certain music will put you in the wrong frame of mind. I think we all know that stuff, right? But it's also much more subtle. A lot of people live today based on a worldview of survival of the fittest. And they don't even include God in the equation of their situations. Many Christians even, they just don't realize it. So many of us were inundated with certain scientific theories in school and on TV that really our natural thinking isn't biblical thinking. When it comes to our health and jobs and just about every other situation in our life, too many of us live as though we're living in a world merely created by a cosmic burp spinning at a thousand miles per hour with no one in charge. Is it a wonder why we live with such pressure and worry? But if you really process the happenings in your life through a biblical worldview, though yes, we know we live in a fallen world and there are things we do and create to overcome its fallen effects. We wear eyeglasses because of that. We wear clothes because of that, okay? There's a lot of things we do, a lot of things we create. Most of us are employed because we are trying to overcome the world's fallen effects. But still, we know that our circumstances are not the final answer because God is guiding the whole process. That's true biblical worldview thinking. So when you watch the news, you read an article, you hear people talking, I always advise, critically think through any statement you hear. And that just happens simply by asking yourself. Before you make a conclusion, ask yourself, is this coming from a godless worldview or a biblical one? That right there will just cause you to really reflect and think through what you're hearing. And is it based upon a notion that God doesn't exist or is it factoring in the reality of God's presence, because that, I promise you, changes everything. What people say, how they react, it all comes from a foundation of thinking influenced by something they've seen or heard. You have to guard your gates with truth. The third way to guard your mind is to test what comes in. And I'll just say it simply. Don't believe everything you think. As I just explained, if your brain interprets what the eye sees, then there's a high likelihood that there are thoughts inside of you that are just flat out wrong. I'd say not even a likelihood. I'd say it's 100%. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. So we all have thoughts in us that are wrong. But a lot of us think that if we think it, it's true. Or if we feel it, it's true. Goodness, I've heard that so much. We just automatically accept what we think and what we feel. No. Psychologists say that you believe more of what you tell yourself than what someone else tells you. So if you genuinely think, I'm no good, your thoughts about yourself are going to be more influential than if somebody else tells you that. I mean, it hurts if somebody else tells you that, but it really gets into you because it enters your beliefs when you actually repeat it to yourself. And here's the sneaky way the devil does this. 
The verse we looked at in the beginning that mentioned stronghold, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, after it says that we destroy strongholds, it then says we destroy false arguments and every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing the knowledge of God are raised up against the knowledge of God. Well, in the Greek, argument is logismos. It looks like logic. That's where we get the word logic from. It's rationale. It's evidence. It's kind of reasonable sounding stuff. Proud obstacle is also defined as an arrogant interpretation. So the enemy plants thoughts in our minds based on evidence from the past or the present, things that make sense to us, things that we did do, things that are true based upon what actually did happen. But then he interprets that evidence with a thought to tell you what it means. And there's the lie. And there's the doubt. And there's the what ifs. And there's where it all enters. He'll tell you there is no God. God is absent. God doesn't love you. You fell to that back then. You can't be forgiven today. We're going to talk more about this in next week's message, The Secret Strategy Against Your Mind. But when you hear anything that makes you feel bad, what should you do? If you're reading, listening, or watching anything that provokes a sense of fear, discouragement, anxiety, paranoia, remember this one principle. And it's easy to remember because it rhymes. Check what you've heard against God's word. If it's a hopeless thought, not God. If it's a condemning thought, not God. If it's a thought that tries to paralyze you with fear, it's not God. None of that's in here. You're not going to find God's character anywhere in here as somebody that wants to paralyze you with fear or condemn you. No. When you recognize that imposter that got in, when you've checked what you've heard against God's word and you realize, okay, that's not God. It doesn't match what the Bible says, what you know about God's character. You take that thought captive. You get it out by confronting it in that instant with truth. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am made new in Christ. I am loved unconditionally. No person, no past, no battle can separate me from God's love. You confront it with truth and you replace it with truth. And out goes the thought. Martin Luther said you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Same goes for our thoughts. Things will get in. There's the old mind that rears its ugly head from time to time. Things slip in through our eye and ear gates. The enemy plants thoughts in us. So you'll never be completely free of wrong thoughts at some level. You won't. But what you can do is ensure you don't nurture those negative thoughts, feed them all the more, and allow them to grow and get deeper into you. And that begins by testing your thoughts and filtering them through truth. Now let's recap here. Three ways to guard your mind. 
Fortify your mind, feed it with truth. Guard your gates, critically think through what you see and hear. Test what comes in. Filter everything through truth. And when you recognize it isn't truth, confront it with truth and replace it with truth. Truth, 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 truth. That's the key here. The first two ways there are largely offensive. You do it proactively to keep yourself built up so things just can't get in. The third is mostly defensive. It's what you do when you're under attack. Okay, I have a final thought about how the enemy uses our minds to magnify his lies. You need to hear this. But first, let me tell you about a resource that will take this message further and help you apply everything we explored. Fear, anxiety, insecurity, shame, depression. If you're like me, these are more than just occasional feelings. They're constant battles that rob you of opportunities, relationships, and dreams. I spent years trying all kinds of things to get better, only to often be left worse than before. That is, until I realized what was behind my struggles. You see, after years of personal experience and many conversations with people like you, I uncovered 10 devil-crafted lies at the heart of every emotional, psychological, and spiritual battle. Knowing how to silence those lies is the true path to freedom. That's why I wrote Shut Up Devil, silencing the 10 lies behind every battle you face. If what you're doing isn't working, then I invite you to discover how to really say goodbye to the mind games you've been playing and hello to unshakable confidence and courage. Get Shut Up Devil today at kylewinkler.org or wherever books are sold. Final thought. I want to go back to Proverbs 4.23. Carefully guard your thoughts. They are the source of true life. The very next two verses, verses 24 through 25, they say, never tell lies or be deceitful in what you say. Keep looking straight ahead without turning aside. That's a great final instruction to us. Never tell lies or be deceitful. Obviously, literally speaking, don't lie. But what I'm getting at here is don't lie to yourself with your own mind and mouth. You see, the enemy uses our minds to magnify and replay the lies he tells us. Really, all he has to do is inject a lie once and then step back and let our internal voice replay it over and over and over again. He doesn't have to do much work when he can really get it into us because we'll just replay it. Don't partner with his lies. Don't go around talking negatively about yourself. Oh, I just can't do anything right. I don't think God can use me. I don't think God even likes me. I don't think anyone can love me. Poor, poor, pitiful me. That's thinking and speaking lies and deceit. So that's not what God says about you. That kind of thinking only fortifies the old mind, not the mind of Christ in you. So be a watchman over your own internal voice of what you hear in here. And do it by proactively thinking and speaking God's truths over yourself. My Shut Up Devil app is a great tool to help you do that. 
Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and He is for you. And we're here for you too every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast, and wherever you get your social media. And don't forget to consider joining me live sometime on Thursdays at 8 central at kylewinkler.org slash live. See you next time.